0: Hello and welcome back to Control-Alt-Delete. My guest today is Helena Morrissey, or should I say Dame Helena Morrissey, who is one of the best known women in the city. For many, many years, she's handled billions of pounds worth of assets, and now she is the head of personal investing at Legal & General, a new role aimed at engaging the nation to save and invest more. In 2010, Helena founded the 30% Club, a cross-business initiative to achieve better gender-based UK company boards. And at the beginning of this year, she wrote a book called A Good Time to Be a Girl. Don't lean in, change the system. Obviously, this was four or five years after Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. And the book is really about not having to feel like, as a woman, you have to fit in with an existing structure. The FT said that the book... At its heart is a conviction that diversity in any workplace will lead to a better, fairer and more prosperous society. She was named as one of Fortune magazine's world's 50 greatest leaders. She's been twice voted one of the most influential people in finance globally by Bloomberg. And she was awarded an honorary doctorate by Cambridge University in 2016 And she also has a CBE in the New Year's Honours list for her contribution to the role of women in business. And in 2017, she was made a dame. Quite an impressive list of titles. But interestingly, we talk about in this episode um, how you have to continue to make change and how you can't always fall back on your awards and accolades. And I thought that was so, so interesting what she was saying about that. Helena is married to a Buddhist meditation teacher and they have together nine children six girls and three boys, whose ages range from eight to 26. We talk about the importance of investing in your future to have an empowering financial future ahead of you. And we talk about how you don't have to be like a man to be successful in business. And of course, what it's like having nine kids and making your career work, which she does. So, Hope you enjoy this episode and here it is. So I'm so excited to finally be with Helena Morrissey. We met at a dinner a while ago now, maybe April. It was a few weeks ago, yes. That was a good evening and I I told you then that I loved your book and I'm going to tell you now for the purposes of the podcast how much I loved your book, um, A Good Time to Be a Girl, which is a i thought it was such a positive title of a book it makes you want to pick it up because it's saying positive things already but also having been obsessed with lean in hmm. five years prior it felt like a, such an exciting new wave of actually let's reinvent things when did you realize you wanted to write the book
1: Well, I think for a while with having set up the 30% Club and seeing that we're making good progress, but not great progress um, and seeing the contrast between fantastic, well-educated young women and then the lack of women at the Mm -hmm. top, it just seemed to me we need to keep questioning how we're going about things. You know, it's not a lack of intent. It's no reason to restate the business case and all of that. But actually, we're just not seeing the results come through. And I think Lean In, while it's very um, seductive a message, it's about, you know, us having more ambition And obviously, we need to make the most of opportunities. But I think with hindsight, we've been leaning into a system of work and living that really doesn't suit lots of women. We end up feeling quite torn. We're trying to be all things to all Mm -hmm. people. Um, And in lots of ways, I don't think it suits many men, young men today, as they look ahead and think they want to play a big part in their future family's upbringing and they don't know they want to be alpha men, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I really calling out to think again about how we've. I suppose being seduced by this world of, you know, being uh, all things, all people and trying to develop careers alongside really
0: running busy homes. Um, yeah. We need to rethink how, how that all works. And for people that might not know about the 30% Club, would, could you just mm. give a little nutshell of what that is? Because it's such an amazing name as well.
1: Well, 30% Club started as a pretty narrow um, objective to try to have more women on boards. And at the time, there were only 12.5% women on mm-hmm. the biggest company boards in this country and less than 10%, actually less than 8% on the next biggest 250 companies. And it was born out of the financial crisis um, as much as anything because suddenly there was this moment to seize, as far as I could tell, because people were... Uh, if. If not completely wringing their hands about all the things we'd got wrong, but, which they should have done, perhaps. Um, but there was a moment of humility amongst big business leaders about actually having a very homogenous group of people overseeing companies, particularly banks, obviously, had to be wrong so this was the moment to correct or at least try to you know that imbalance on the on the board in the boardroom starting with women it's not the only important measure of diversity but i do think women often bring something different to the table a slightly different style of working mm-hmm. as well more collaborative more compassionate perhaps more empathetic and i hope that doesn't offend anybody i'm not mm-hmm. saying that men are not like that so the 30 club was born out of this moment um mm-hmm. And now we have 29% women on the mm. top uh, 100 boards. Uh, but it's very much unfinished business. Mm. I think we've had a lot of appearance of change and still, you know, not much progress for very many women in this country.
0: Yeah, it's, ama- it's amazing how many countries the third cent club is working in now. But I wondered with um, this kind of trying to win people over by saying we need more women, it feels like we still have to talk language of, well, women might bring more money. And then that, they seem to listen then it's almost like if you talk in money terms people are like oh okay do, mm. do you find that do you think that's true i do think that's true but i actually think it's almost the
1: only way when you're trying to change things if you if you like well we're not trying to be a trojan horse but you know if we can get those seats at the table then we can really change things it's not the end of, of itself but you have to talk the language of business i think one of the problems with the whole diversity agenda really and particularly the gender agenda perhaps which now people have got perhaps a bit fatigued about mm. is that it's perceived being something to do with political correctness and unfortunately in the business world I mean I'm passionately a believer in fairness and equality but that isn't enough to make people to change things mm. and we really needed the key business leaders to say actually for the business reasons we need to have different types of people at the table and if you like I was playing them at their own game. Mm.
0: I love, <laughs> I'm i so inspired by um, well so many women but but especially women who do want to make a lot of money. I, I mean, I know a lot of my friends really, really struggle with asking for a pay rise or really struggle with um, feeling like they deserve a big paycheck. Um, and I and I find it really inspiring when, when a lot of women um, are just like, no, I deserve that money. And I think watching you obviously make and manage and invest so much money. But what I'm not saying is that women need to behave more like men no. to succeed.
1: And I think that's a very important distinction. Because I think it's quite uh, discouraging to think the only way to get on is to be just like the men. Um, And I think men now want a different definition of success, or many do anyway. Mm. I don't think it's quite the same. I see, you know, my older children are now at the stage where leaving university or, you know, making their way in the world. And there's definitely different priorities. And I think it's very healthy in the longer term. But what I'm not trying to say is, you know, women need to take assertiveness training and, you know, suddenly be- behave more like men. Um, actually, I think that would be really undermining our chances
0: of contributing to better cultures in the workplace mm-hmm. and happier lives for ourselves as well. Because yeah. actually with, with meeting you, I, in, in my mind, I was like, surely you have to be a little bit more like that, like a certain way. And so I, I had my own... Judgment there, but that's come from the media and from the stereotype of like bull-busting CEO. Yeah, and it's not just me. I mean, a lot of women who are uh, you know have that
1: reputation. I know they say often, perhaps behind closed doors. Well, I don't really see myself as like that. Other you know, and they actually shy away from that description. And I don't think it's a lack of self-awareness or not being you know conscious about how we are um, really um, you know wanting to be different from how we are. I think I think often you know women who uh, think that's the only way forward often give up because they think, well, actually, I don't want to be like that. Um, you don't have to be formidable to be a successful businesswoman, I think. And certainly I'm I'm trying to encourage, I mean, the, the goal for me would be, it would be wonderful if it wasn't just that women have so much career potential and ability um, to do so much for themselves, but actually that we could also contribute to better society and we're only going to be able to do that if we do you know change things um, and not just fall in line not submerge our differences.
0: Yeah there was a really interesting study by Starling Bank a few months ago which um, looked at how Magazines talked to women about money and men and compared the language men. It was all about investing and uh, What to do if you get divorced how to save your money from like, <laughs> you know women who are going to steal your money and then the women's magazines were saying, you know um, Buy buy this or save for this or that there was like a pink piggy bank with a woman tearing her hair out so it was so weirdly sexist even in like 2018 and I wondered um how do you talk to do you kind of talk to men and women the same about money obviously you do but how do you do that so
1: first and foremost we need to talk about money um and i don't think uh women particularly young women uh, feel that it's a subject they want to talk about uh, very much and of course if we don't if we don't talk about something we're often not thinking about it we're not planning we're not looking after ourselves um just as we would about health and well-being and mm-hmm. so forth and money we need to um i think get in that same kind of category um I think it's a balancing act because there's no point – well, I think it is very off-putting being condescending in any way, but also we do tend to talk in jargon in the financial industry. The evidence suggests, and uh, you can read into this what you will, but that men won't say, actually, I don't understand that – Whereas women will and just be turned off by, you know, just say, well, I don't know what you're talking about and just not, um, uh, it's a further impediment. So I think in some ways what women are saying is opening our eyes as to what's probably going on for men as well, but they're just not telling us that it's a bit over their heads so what we're doing is a few things i mean one for example we're just about to start some how to get started in investing seminars where we're asking we're doing a bit of a game about it and we're asking people to kind of try to i guess outwit the finance experts and throw lots of questions at them and to you know kind of buzz when they're bored you know and make it a bit fun um and I hope it doesn't come across as in any way patronizing but I do think we need to go back to you know what is it about you know the language around investing how do people not see it as something so essential to actually just having frankly power and being able to control your own destiny ultimately
0: God, that's so true. I think you do have to make these things a bit more like a game or a bit more fun because otherwise you do zone Mm. out. I feel the same about mortgages and taxes and VAT and things. I wish that... It's just
1: not the most (laughs) scintillating
0: subject, is it? I mean,
1: I think we're all work under duress. You know, when the deadline's there, we sort of sit down and knuckle down to it, but we don't particularly... It's not one of the things you'd put on the top of your... Oh, I'd love to do that, or at least most of us. I A friend
0: of mine had an idea that at school you could do kind of MTV cribs and it would be like, how much (laughs) money do you think how are you going to run this house type thing? Yeah, no fun. one,
1: I mean, I've noticed my nine-year-old, um, my youngest child, she, out of all my children, actually, is probably the most interested in money. And she will start to suggest, you know, oh, actually, it will be cheaper to do it this way. And I can see her, you know, her thinking, um, just because, you know, it is, t- it is interesting to her because she's trying to save up for things and so forth. Um, I think you do have to just relate back to real life and not make it abstract. Um, I've noticed at schools, you know they do wonderful mathematics competitions, and you know it becomes again a game, a fun activity around maths. I think we need to do the same around money, and arguably it's easier to do around money because we all, you know, have to buy things and save up for things and um, plan for yeah. future expenses.
0: And with all your work, kind of helping younger younger people, uh, women and uh, young women and and men, how what age do you are you interested in with kind of helping kind of younger girls? Is that or well, is it all ages? I mean to be
1: honest, it has to be all ages because of course it would it would it be wonderful to be able to just focus on, you know, the future. But of course that would be very unfair on, you know, young women who um perhaps might hugely benefit from mentoring or networking advice or advice about money. Um, I mean advice, not in the regulatory sense. I mean, you know, some some help getting started. So I think we have to recognize that if we're really going to change um, any of these uh, issues, um, including sort of financial ability um, or literacy, then we need to start right back at school. But in the meantime, there's an awful lot that can be done. I was speaking at an event just yesterday, which was actually for women who were in many ways quite senior in business. And one of the women had brought along her daughter, 18-year-old daughter, who just started university. And the daughter asked her a question about how she could get involved in looking after her future career. And afterwards, they came and chatted to me and said, it was a shame there weren't more 18-year-olds in the room. And I do think we need to keep saying, actually, you know, bring your younger self along, to mm. um, everybody could help in this uh, work if they could sort of buddy up with somebody who's a bit of a younger version of themselves or even somebody that they would have never come across who perhaps could benefit from some
0: advice some help yeah I love that idea of kind of reverse mentoring sometimes I can learn so much from like my 12 year old nephew weirdly of kind of (laughs)
1: Technology, probably. Um, (laughs) I have a 13-year-old son and definitely that's, you know, who I turn to. I don't think there's any... I, I think it's really important that we don't just, you know presume that we know what makes people tick or what younger people are thinking um, and then lay out plans for how they might prosper we've got Mm. to keep listening and learning from them.
0: I know a friend of mine works in advertising she was saying that it was a room of men trying to come up with how mothers feel for an advert and it was just one of those moments of okay we need some actual mothers in the room maybe (laughs) that might help but because obviously you have nine children which I know I'm sorry if if that is something that people keep bringing up but it is amazing and and so it must be such a fun house and busy house that you live in but having that range of ages as well is that quite interesting to kind of you're you're surrounded by di- different ages and their yeah. opinions no
1: definitely um I mean it's a difficult one slightly for me because I, I certainly wouldn't want people to think I sort of parade my children but um I also recognize as do they actually and we've talked about it overtly at home that actually is a big part of both you know who who i am but also hopefully would encourage other women particularly to see that you could combine a career and and family and hopefully Mm. be happy and they be happy and you know it 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 work um i'm not suggesting that people have to have nine to (laughs) achieve that state but um and also for men to think that they can be a real man and to play a big part in their family's upbringing as my husband undoubtedly has done so um that's the real reason why i'm happy to talk about it. Um it is fascinating having so many young people around you and, you know, I have lots of reversed mentoring goes on in terms of um making it clear to me when I don't understand things. But they're wonderful about, you know, doing that in a nice way. But yes, it's um even just having the I mean my when my twenty six year old was born, you know, there was no internet then. My own experience as a young mother, as a first time mother, was completely different in terms of not being able to stay in touch really with the office unless I actually physically went in Mm -hmm. Um, and his experience as a young boy you know not being a digital native really um, until certainly his you know late teens very different from my youngest Mm -hmm. children who you know their homework is set on iPads and um, it's a very different world on an educational um, basis Uh, so I think it's it's we all know that the speed of change is accelerating all the time and I've definitely seen that um, I don't think we've solved or moved much further, if I'm really honest, in terms of the advice we give, you know, young girls and young boys at school about you know, encouraging them to be gender intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think a lot of it is is home based and that's important, but it's not the only thing. There, there are more talks at schools about you know, encouraging girls and mm-hmm. hopefully showing boys that it's really important to strive for their careers, but also not have old fashioned attitudes toward women. But... I don't think we've really conquered that one yet.
0: Mm. God, change is slow, isn't it, sometimes when you well, think about it? Well, fast in some areas and yeah. slow in others.
1: Um, yeah. But interestingly, when I was asking my own children, and this was for my book, I said, you know, you know, do, do you um, talk about gender equality at school? And mostly they said, if not all of them actually, um, not enough Um that they saw it as a very pressing topic and perhaps only in later years, sort of sixth form times, was it really on the agenda? Whereas young girls, I think, are quite confused by mixed messages they yeah. see, would love to talk about that at school, not just with their parents mm. and their siblings, I think.
0: I think it's also interesting when you ha- w- when there's a generational divide and, for example, a lot of my friends, and me included, my parents, are very traditional stay-at-home mum, working dad. But then I kind of um, get confused with... Oh, I have to pick one then, and then the mm. whole kind of having it. Can she have it all? Titles of like the nineties of. Mm. Do you think you can have it all? Or and I
1: think we need to think in terms of more, you know, families and whether a family can balance, you know, enough, you know, mo- earning enough money, having fulfilled, you know, careers, l- loving, and obviously bringing out families together. And I think what we've tended to do is be too binary about what, you know, this is what women do and this is what men do, and then. Perhaps occasionally, like in my own household, people flip roles and everyone talks about role reversal, but we should be surely aiming for a state where, particularly if we're going to have to work longer for all sorts of reasons, and you don't get not just a career for life or a company for life, but you actually will you know, be multi-hyphenates, mm. you know, um, and do lots of things in a long um career that we need to be less binary about it and more I think of it in terms of the family and I'd love yeah. to see for example instead of there being a women's minister there's a family's minister mm. um, and policies obviously there are some set around shared parental leave and so forth but it's not really being fulfilled um, back in companies in terms of you know treating parents you know as, as parents rather than oh this is the roles for or this is the the benefits for mothers and this is the benefits for fathers and yeah. um, I obviously you know a lot of my Believes are based on the fact that we are complementary and we do need both men and women in lots of situations so and I think we are equal but different but we should be moving towards that more nuanced state I
0: think in family lives as well totally because a friend of mine who is very much multi-hyphenate her husband's taking three months of the maternity or paternity um and yeah I, I find that really inspiring to see how you can split it
1: well, I think it would be wonderful if we can get to a, a situation where that's um, not seen as particularly unusual. But obviously, it still is. I've got a colleague, a legal in general, who is in his twenties, and actually asked me, "Could he get involved in the work on gender equality?" And I was quite intrigued. And it turned out, you know, he's looking around. There's two motivations. One is he's looking around at the men um, he sees in the industry who may be fifties, um, and he says, "Well, I don't really want to work like that." And with technology, You know, I don't really see why we should be working like that. But also he has a girlfriend and they've been talking about, you know, having a family at some point. And he says, well, I, I would like to play a part in my future family's upbringing, but also I want to support her in her career. And that's wonderful. I mean, he's mm-hmm. if we're going to clone him, really. Um, <laughs> but I do think that's how more young people are thinking. We've just got a sort of big generational gap at the moment, certainly between mm. my generation and this, you know, 20 year olds um, and younger who are seeing the world completely differently and really questioning very basic principles
0: on which you know the world of work has been based on. Yeah god around. that's so true because it's almost unfair to assume that the men want to be at work all the time.
1: <laughs> well I think you know it's become even in in the last my husband has been at home nearly 20 years now in terms of being you know a stay-at-home dad and he was a financial journalist before he worked at some, he did some really serious jobs and um, he says you know it's still very unusual to be the uh this the parent that's really at home and doesn't have a business as well but at the school gate there are lots more dads and obviously again people are now sometimes you know between jobs or they are entrepreneurs or they are closer to retirement or they're just working
0: in a different way they're not working at the same
1: yeah. desk with um, i mean with the
0: rise of we work yeah. just walking around here I, even if you're a lawyer or you've got you know you don't have to have a new sort of job you can still work flexibly from a from a co-working office or
1: exactly and it's just actually now seen as cooler I think so what what was different you know when I started working the, the cool people perhaps we were just under the false impression about that <laughs> you know where the people worked every hour they were given that it was kind of a badge of honor and I'm I think it's really healthy that that's no longer seen to be the case in fact it's more that you haven't got control over your own life um and you're sort of wage slave that you can't you know balance your life so I don't think I don't think individually we can claim that we should be trying to have it all all of the time but we I think can give our best in lots of different areas of our lives and actually they can end up making us you know you know better human beings overall and I don't I mean I see lots of people who give a lot to their you know to charity in terms of their time met some amazing people in recent past when we've been interviewing for uh, diversity charity that was set up as a result of the President's Club dinner fiascos and um, we've been recently recruiting more trustees for this charitable incorporated organisation that we set up it's been agreed by the Charity Commission and one woman I came across I mean for years she's devoted a lot of her time um, to helping the homeless and it's I mean that's one thing that she I, I quizzed her on how did she have the time she has a very serious job and she said well I just care about it so much and it's not been something that I found it." chore in any way i just make time for it um mm. and i don't think she's alone but maybe it's still quite unusual but it's yeah. it's wonderful that people just and i think that's how you are with the with parenting and so forth you make sure that you you know you we can all find time to clean our teeth in the morning we can all find time to do the things that are important to us and you just end up prioritizing each day in
0: as best a way you can yeah god t- time is a big one i think when when people are have barriers to wanting to do something that it's it's like mm. a time thing and I'm actually yeah I wanted to ask you about about that about being your best self in all these areas you know it's it, you're constantly busy and juggling how do you find time to kind of have time for yourself
1: well for me I guess the 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 time uh, that I feel like I'm being really able to relax and to be myself and to sort of recharge is definitely family time I mean I think it's um the, a two-way street I uh, obviously my children and my husband you know we we are a, a unit and I want to I mean I want to be physically there but I also want to be mentally present and it's I don't look upon it as sort of I mean it shouldn't be seen as a luxury it's more like it's definitely recharging and actually reminding me of and it sounds a cliche but what's important I mean I, I love my job and I do feel that there's a big Purpose um, in my working life. I think a lot of women would struggle if there wasn't a lot of people would struggle if there wasn't. But I I know that that for me is not sort of oh you know now I have to do a family oriented thing. I brought my daughter this morning my youngest to her netball squad. Now they start at seven thirty in the morning and it's it's quite a fun time. She's only been doing it a couple of weeks now. It's the start of a new school year, and she said to me this morning oh I love this time, mom It's great, isn't it? We get to go to the mm. you know the club together, and of course this is a new thing for us. Um, And, you know, we do have, you know, lovely chats on that. And I think, OK, I feel I really enjoyed that. You know, it's not, you know, I'm doing something. Oh, I have to do that. It's I love it. And it's become part of my week that I really look forward to. So, yeah, I mean, I do. It's cliche again. I have a woman at my age that I try and find time
0: for Pilates, but not so much (laughs) as I should should do it's funny it feels like sometimes when when there's so much going on almost it's like you take each day as it comes and actually things are good i think you can i think a lot of young people can get very anxious when they've almost got too much time i remember there was a study that came out about university and how a lot of people got really sort of down in the dumps at uni because they had they didn't have anything to fill their days with and I think I mean you don't want to
1: get to the point where you're too busy to think that's would be obviously a a big no but I do think there's a tendency that a lot of people have to worry about what might go wrong and that stops us from trying and in lots of ways um I don't really have so much time to worry about what might go wrong I do in case you wake up in the middle of the night and think oh I haven't thought (laughs) that through properly um and that's not a good habit to fall into but the the reality is I mean I'm giving a presentation tomorrow um Where, you know, I have been thinking about what I'll say, but I only have had time to, you know, write down what I'll say literally the day before. And that has made me less nervous about things, you know, because you just have to do it one Mm -hmm. step at a time, one day at a time. And probably better because I'm not just, you know, fixating about all Mm -hmm. the things that might go wrong. And I do think, I mean, again, all the evidence suggests that we women, you know, tend to suffer from this anxiety about the things that we we're not good at. And we can end up, you know, excluding ourselves from an opportunity because we've spent too much time on the downside and not enough time just doing it. You know, I do fail and then I try to learn from that. I do have, you know, a lot of, it's a discipline to not wallow in that and to feel very unconfident as a result of a failure, but to just think back about what I did, I should have done differently and, you know.
0: But, with all your experience and all of your achievements do, does it get does it get easier? You just know I've done this a million times i'll I'll be fine or does it does it never really kind of t- completely go away?
1: I don't think it completely goes away, and it probably would make one less human if one did if one was like an automaton and just getting out okay, another day, another talk. What I do as well is I am conscious that um you know it's really important to our vibrancy to keep learning and not to ever assume that you have all the answers to anything. And so I deliberately—it's going to sound a bit masochistic—but I deliberately accept doing something at, at least once a month, probably you know, at the moment it feels like once a week, where I'm out of my comfort zone. Oh, And actually, I find because I think your brain needs exercising, and also then you go back to our earlier conversation, but you've got to keep learning from people around you. I, I spoke at something yesterday where I, you know, really did learn, and the day bef- the evening before, um, I had been speaking at an event for. Where most of the attendees were much older women, actually, I was sitting between two women in their 70s, amazing women, both in their seven, um who had been former judges, both former judges. And one was 78, and she is an intellectual property lawyer. And the other had overcome amazing, a horrendous adversity in her very young life. And actually, it was a very humbling experience about how they had, against the real odds, you know, achieved so much. It made me think again about how we you know a we've got to finish the job we started about gender equality but b we mustn't be too first world problem about it you know and assume when we've got a slight you know uh, pushback that we've got in any way comparable obstacles to Mm -hmm. how women two generations one generation at least for me have um, managed to overcome and it was it was a real I mean I got home and to my husband you know I learned so much and it's made me think twice about some of the you know the the uh, approaches I've been taking, and um, so I think that's very very important.
0: Never to ever think you know it all. <laughs> mm, God, that's such good advice. Just in being in your own bubble in general can be so. Um, y- yeah, I think it it would be a big trap to fall into to think you know people should treat you in a certain way because you've you
1: know I have I don't know for the want of a better way of putting it up, you know I have a damehood and a you know that was a lovely sort of obvious. Sort of reward, but actually, I mean, I'm no better or worse a person than before that. Um, and I believe I'm only as good, and if I'm contributing, you know, going forward, I, it's not about what I have done in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and that might make me seem I'm not being in any way falsely modest about that. I've, I, I want to use any influence that I have for good, and that's wonderful that I have a platform that I didn't have when I was very young. But there's no way, reason anyone should listen to me unless I'm current and correct, you mm-hmm. know, or at least got something to contribute.
0: Yeah, you are very modest because you're, anyone that would read your bio, it is, it is just incredible. No, but they're kind
1: of brownie badges. I mean, I was a, as I've said before, I was a manic brownie. And, you know, these days, legal and general is doing some work with the Girl Guides around financial education. And, you know, I believe that these um, badges and, you know, it's really important. We're just sponsoring the saver badge because it's what, you know young people like to do they mm. like to work towards a goal yeah. but my husband says to me the moment when i have really achieved um you know what he would describe as success would be the day i can just throw away my little collection of brownie badges mm. that remind me of you know an approach which was about you know achieving awards and rewards and not necessarily about the bigger picture um I have to say I still have my little collection of brownie badges so I haven't quite (laughs) reached that state yet but that's partly my younger children I'm not trying to defend it now but they you know they like to look at them and say you can't have done woodworking (laughs) not very well I
0: might add (laughs) but no I think it's a it's a really interesting one about Kind of awards and accolades because I think I I feel really torn about um, like I was on the this kind of under thirty list and um and I kind of think well I've just got started and those lists don't really mean anything you they don't they're quite they're well, quite subjective um, everybody you, you know it's wonderful to be on the list compared with not being on the list I mean
1: that's one of the sort of struggles about it but I think now we have got to a point where there is um there are a lot of awards a lot of lists and inevitably the same you know names crop up and whatever the criteria would be and it's not really to celebrate success and I don't think um, I'm not in any way saying we shouldn't but we also need to remember that's not the same as you know continually yeah. you know achieving things and that's I think it's a, it is a a danger for people that
0: if they aspire to be on the list rather than the you know, purpose behind purpose it, behind it. Yeah. yeah definitely and just lastly um I always ask us at the end of any episode, but what are you looking forward to that's coming up? And it can be a, f- a holiday or it can be a work thing. It can be anything.
1: So, I mean, there's lots of things at home to look forward to. I have a grandson and he'll be coming up mm-hmm. to one soon, which seems a momentous achievement for his parents at least. <laughs> um, I think at work, I, I've only just got started on this whole mission to try to encourage um, more people who don't invest and save uh, for their f- financial future. Uh to do so and particularly women um i am you know it has been a year or so since i joined legal in general of quite a lot of foundation laying and i'm really looking forward to and it's not going to be a big bang and you know out there and it's over because this is clearly a long-term ambition uh, for the country not just for i not doing it just for commercial reasons but um i'm really looking forward to seeing that come good because i do believe that, again, the zeitgeist, which is so important to lots of these things sort of taking off, is there that we now have people recognizing, not everybody, but, you know, the need to is rising to look after your own financial future. And, of course, there are enablers, you know, this is where technology can really help us to reach more people. Um, more cheaply for them and more quickly and more in appropriate language so I I would love to see that come together and I'm looking forward to the next stages of that Um, I'm not going to pretend as I say it's going
0: to be a quick win Mm. but that's that's very motivating for me yeah oh it's it's really um, exciting watching everything that you're continuing to do Um, I actually had one final really small question about about the financial future stuff do you do you feel like we should move away from using the word pension? Do you think it's a bigger conversation can, that that actually maybe that word feels outdated to to younger people? Or I do, unfortunately. I mean, clearly pensions are very important, and people
1: can count much less on anything from you know state or government provision. But it's often seems so far off, and people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, well, I'm surprised. I you know I'm 52, and people say, "Oh, when are you going to retire?" I'm thinking, "Well, no time soon." You know, but you know, it's it seems such a thing that you know older people do and it's and we need to be obviously planning for the future and I think contextualizing it in terms of well actually if you want to save a deposit for a property that people often think is completely beyond their reach but you could perhaps help your money to grow by investing um, you know people feel saddled often feel defeated. they feel saddled by student debt they feel you know uh, restricted financially and I think we do need to uh, make saving and investing more of an everyday Mm. matter a bit like a bit like you know health and well-being i was talking to someone on um and they said well actually in the 1950s i think it was that the policemen used to stop joggers because it was such an unusual activity you know a suspicious Mm -hmm. activity whereas of course now not everybody but a lot of people look after their 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 health and well-being and they take exercise um or walk the stairs even they're kind of conscious of their steps and so forth and we need to make it more like that less kind of oh well this is one event in your
0: life the pensions bid um so yes the language is very important yeah i I think of it as when i kind of when i'm writing a book i'll write like a hundred words a day but back to the brushing your teeth thing i mean that's investing in yourself is anything that we do for the we're doing it for our future selves again you get into a habit not of being completely mean with yourself every day and not allowing yourself
1: any treats uh, we're not saying people shouldn't I'm not saying people shouldn't sort of ever sort of just do something impetuous on um buy themselves a dress or, you know, like um have fun with their money. But but at the same time, you know, it's it's a very big part of as I say, you know, owning your destiny, having choices in later life. Um, we did have and she did a, a conference, it was for clients, but the like institutions, but we had this um three generations of women on a sofa um, talking about pensions and that doesn't make it sound very exciting Um, but actually the grandchild who was grown up granddaughter she said to her grandmother oh I really this pension stuff I have no idea what that's all about and wouldn't know where to start and the grandma turned to her and it was wasn't scripted I promise you um, because it's a much better line than probably anybody could come up with in the financial industry and said well dear she said if you get it right Uh, and you get your pensions right, then the future is a a life full of Saturdays. (laughs) You know, so... (laughs) Oh, I love that. And, of course, it was just so beautifully put and so spontaneous. And also then, of course, the table I was sitting on, everyone looked at each other and said, you know, spend so much money on Saturday. You know, sort of (laughs) made everybody motivated to do something more about it. But, you know, it has to be in terms of people that resonate, you know, that is emotionally appealing, not just, oh, you've got to do something about this because, um, and put it in the dull
0: but yeah. you know must get around to it one day god that i want that on a t-shirt yeah wow. <laughs> life of saturdays please
1: yeah i mean it would, you know, most of us would think well that sounds fun yeah
0: <laughs> oh well thank you so so much for pleasure, being thank so you. open and honest and knowledgeable and amazing thank you thank you Emma. it's Thanks. been a
1: pleasure